On Point with Craig's Investment Partners. Good morning. First of all, always remember that the information provided here is general in nature. It's not financial advice, so it doesn't take into account your situation, objectives or risk tolerance. All investments are subject to risk. None are guaranteed. So before you make any decisions, make sure you contact an investment advisor. So for more information on our investment advisory services, then you can go to our website, which is craigsip.com. Okay, looking back at last week, it was it was another roller coaster one, particularly for US shares. Uh, we had a couple of extremely volatile days. Uh, on Wednesday last week, we saw the S&P 500 in the US post its best daily gain since May 2020. So it had this massive rally uh, in the wake of the Federal Reserve uh, announcement. And then the very next day, it gave it all back uh, with the worst day, apart from one day the previous week, uh, the worst day since June 2020. Um, so a real roller coaster, but interestingly, when you look at the US market on the week, uh, the S&P 500 was barely moved. It finished down a mere 0.2%. So if you went away for a week and didn't look at markets, you'd come back thinking not much has happened. Uh, but if you were keeping your eye on the TV or the newspaper or the whatever screen you used to monitor your shares, you would have seen that there was some pretty serious ups and downs on the way through, which is sort of the way things are at the moment, isn't it? Uh, other markets around the world were much less volatile. We didn't see those same big swings, although interestingly, many of the other markets around the world actually fell uh, more harshly than the US, which has been sort of against the trend that we've seen of late. It's been all about the US uh, being being the weaker one. But the UK market was off 2% for the week, Europe off 4.5% for the week, so a pretty big decline there. And Aussie shares, which have also been very resilient, were off a little more than 3%. Uh, interest rates were up further, and that still is the biggest story across markets and the key issue for investors. You've got this high inflation, and you've got central banks uh, responding to it, and you've got market interest rates, wholesale interest rates right across all the different parts of the yield curve, you know, for different terms or lengths of time, uh, all of those are going up. And that really is what is weighing on share prices and valuations because higher interest rates simply make asset prices, you know, it, it reduces the value of asset prices uh, because the risk-free rate is increasing. So we saw US Treasury rates go higher. So the two-year yield up up a little bit, but the 10-year yield moved more significantly. The 10-year US Treasury increased from 293 to 3.13. So that's the highest since November 2018. And here in New Zealand, it was a similar story. The five-year swap rate, which is a wholesale market rate, rose to 4.06 um, at the end of last week. And that, that saw it hit the highest level since uh, the back end of 2014. So you're talking more than more than seven years ago. Uh, if we think about sort of where markets are at on the year, uh, world shares are down just shy of 15%. So they're off of 14.7% year to date. Now, that's sort of on average, really. You've got some markets that are proving more resilient. The UK market still one of the best performers. It's flat, so it's managed to not go down at all. The Australian market's only down 3%. Uh, 
the New Zealand share market's down a little under 11%, so compared to the average, that's not too bad. So some markets are proving much more resilient than others. Uh, at the other end of the spectrum, emerging market shares down more than 16%. So that is one of the weaker regions. That'll be partly because some of the issues you're seeing in China and the flow-on effects there, but also uh, parts of Europe are considered emerging markets, and Russia certainly is. So uh, the issues and, and the war in Ukraine will be weighing on, on some of those markets too. Plus, emerging markets don't do particularly well when you've got higher interest rates and a stronger US dollar that tends to be bad for those parts of the world so uh that that area is is suffering uh and obviously the the higher growth uh us shares and tech shares still still suffering as well so the us nasdaq is down uh more than 22 percent uh this year remember it had a massive run over the the previous couple of years so if we look at the us nasdaq it's still up 35 percent compared to uh, the end of 2019, which is sort of pre-COVID levels. And at one point last year, it was up nearly 80% from those uh, from those levels. So there is there was a lot of, of heat and exuberance in some parts of the technology sector, which um, is why you're seeing it fall harder. All right, what happened last week that uh, caught my eye? Uh, locally, a couple of things. Uh, dairy prices, we saw a, quite a weak dairy auction. Uh, the GDT index was down 8.5%. That's the biggest fall since 2015 and the fourth consecutive decline. Prices are still up, um, up this year, but I think that situation in China is weighing um, on prices. You know, Obviously, it's, it's impacted consumer spending and so forth. One positive is that the currency is down uh, more than 6% this year against the US dollar. So that means that in New Zealand dollar terms, uh, prices still look pretty good for us. The, the other key piece of economic news last week here was the labour force report for March 2022. And um, that saw headline unemployment uh, steady at 3.2%, uh, in line with RBNZ expectations, but a little above um, economists' forecast. A few economists thought it might go a bit lower, but look, it's still the lowest we've seen since the early 1980s. Uh, so still got a very tight labour market. And um, it was the wage growth figures that actually looked uh, a bit stronger than people were expecting. So that, that won't completely please the RBNZ, not that they don't want to see stronger wages, they do, but at the very, in the current environment, they are very nervous about sort of any wage price sort of spiral coming through, uh, given where inflation is. So uh, they they might just be keeping an eye on that. Uh, elsewhere, uh, lots happened on the central bank front. We saw, saw three interest rate hikes from central banks. So first was the Aussie central bank. So a big backtrack from the RBA. You know, they've been saying for a long time, no no changes to the cash rate for a couple of years um, but look, inflation has moved more quickly than they had expected, so they've been forced to, it's forced their hand basically. So uh, they increased their cash rate by 0.25%, so that's the first increase since 2010, and they're expected to um, to continue moving as well uh, over the next few meetings. The Federal Reserve was the big one, uh, so they increased their policy rate by 50 basis points, which is half a percent. So that is the, the first of that magnitude since May 2000, 22 years ago. Uh, and it's actually the first time they've increased rates back to back since 06. So quite a momentous um, 
day it was actually last week. Markets performed well on the back of that meeting because Jerome Powell, the chair, said uh, he taught, he basically poured cold water on the prospect of a 75 basis point move, which some people had said was on the cards. So uh, that was taken positively. Um, although, look, he's, he's not slowing down. He made it pretty clear that the intention is to raise rates by 50 basis points at each of the next two meetings as well. So uh, the, the Fed's fund, Fed funds rate is at 1% now after last week's move. And if you get another another 250 basis point increases, then you, that takes you up to 2%. And then markets see it still going higher through the end of um, end of the year. So you might it might be as high as 3% by the end of the year, which would be the highest we've seen since the GFC. Uh, before the GFC, I should say. The Bank of England also rose their policy interest rates. So this is their fourth in a row. They're at 1% now. And quite interesting, um, the Bank of England will always been a pretty honest central bank and, and quite happy to just tell it like it is compared to others who sometimes sugarcoat the outlook. Um, and they offered a pretty... A pretty cautious summation of the outlook. Um, they basically said, look, the UK economy is likely to suffer a mild recession this year and energy prices are not going down in a hurry, so inflation could hit double digits, 10%. So, you know, didn't make for good reading, but um, got on, good on them for just telling it like it is. Looking ahead, what are we watching this week? Uh, here in New Zealand, there's a housing market report out Thursday morning from the Real Estate Institute. This will be for April. Um, and I'd expect it to show further evidence of a, a slower market. Auckland house prices, based on the the Real Estate Institute house price index, which I think is the most um, useful measure of house prices, uh, Auckland house prices are off 7.7% from their November highs, so they'll probably probably come down a little bit more. The rest of the country's been more stable, priced only down about 2% from the highs, but Auckland does tend to lead on the way up and also on the way down. So I'd expect the rest of the country to follow. Um, you, you'll see more of the same. I expect lower sales volumes, a slightly higher number of days to sell and all of those other indicators that just point to uh, a market that is, is softening. Uh, we've also got the RBNZ survey of expectations. That's on that same day, Thursday at three o'clock. So this is a survey the RBNZ does every quarter basically asks you know economists and market participants um so the more sort of you know uh the, the the group of people in new zealand that have got their finger on the pulse or should have their finger on the pulse of what's happening sort of across financial markets in the economy where they see um a lot of a range of things going but one of the key ones is the expectations for inflation and the reason this is important is because inflation expectations tend to drive behaviour. You know, if you think inflation's going up, you'll probably get in and buy things now before prices go higher or the opposite. So expectations are important because they tend to impact the way that we, you know, the decisions we make. So that'll be something that's watched closely because one th it's one thing for actual inflation to be rising, but the Re Reserve Bank really wants to make sure that everyone out there has confidence that 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 is not going to be a long-lasting issue. So they'll want evidence that people's longer-term inflation expectations are still quite subdued or, or at least more subdued than what you're seeing in terms of the real backward-looking numbers. So that'll be interesting, and they will, will take note of, of how it looks. Uh, internationally, inflation again will be in the spotlight. Um, the US inflation rate for April is out. Uh, 
in in March it it hit eight and a half percent, which was the highest since nineteen eighty one. That's at the headline level. So. What we're expecting this week is it will come off a little bit. Remember, that's the rate of change. So prices are still going up, but they'll be going up at a slower pace because um, the comparative period will be sort of coming off a higher base um, in, in many respects. So you'd expect it to fall. Maybe it'll be around the 8% level, um, which is still much higher than anyone would like, but it's lower than 8.5%. So it'll be interesting to see how markets take that. On the one hand, they could they could cheer the fact that inflation we're seeing signs that we're past the worst and it has peaked already um or they might still be very uncomfortable that look you know we're at eight we really want this to come down to two or three and there's a, an extremely long way to go so and it'd be interesting to see how markets react to that um but that is i think out on wednesday night in the u.s and that'll be the the key thing that people are watching for um what else have we got out there? Uh, reporting season. The US and, and the international reporting season pretty much wrapping up now. We've seen, oh, look, 85, 90% of international companies already having reported. Most of them have been pretty good. Um, sort of 78% of beaten earnings forecasts, and you've actually seen earnings growth estimates, for the US at least, increase relative to um, where they were at at the start of this year. So, you know, whether that is accurate or not you know there's definitely a few headwinds out there so wouldn't 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 um you know i could see why people like people could be forgiven for being a little bit surprised by that metric but that is the way things have played out um but there's a few results still to go uh disney's probably the key one disney being one of the the weaker performers in the dow jones they're out on wednesday and i guess you know in the wake of the netflix result you know the disney streaming product maybe has um just a few people asking questions about whether they can keep up the pace of their uh, subscriber growth and so forth. But on the local front, uh, things are just heating up um, when it comes to reporting. So international reporting season coming, finishing up, and local reporting season uh, just just beginning. May is sort of a mini reporting season for all of those companies with a March 31 balance date. So we'll get a few of the heavyweights really coming through over the rest of the month. Main Freight, Fish and Pocket Healthcare, Ryman Healthcare. But this week um, in New Zealand and Australia, we'll start with a few uh, a few interesting ones. Uh, push payers on Wednesday uh, here in NZ and across the Tasman. Westpac, Westpac today actually, Monday and, um, and Zero, which... I still think of as a New Zealand company, even though it's ASX listed there out on Thursday. So um, a few things to watch in that regard. And probably lastly, last but not least, geopolitics will be in focus for a couple of reasons. Uh, Finland potentially applying for NATO membership as early as this week. That'll get some headlines given what's happening over there uh, in Eastern Europe, that is. Uh, Sweden due to publish a fresh security assessment. And um, it's Victory Day in Russia, uh, 9th of May. And Victory Day is is a day where they celebrate um, victory over Nazi Germany in 1945. So, you know, there's usually a military parade in Moscow and in a bunch of other cities. There's usually a speech from the president. So we'll hear from Putin, um, I presume. And um, just given the significance of that day and the fact that they are at war in Ukraine, and that hasn't gone completely according to plan. You know, there are people who've got uh, 
people are, are monitoring uh, sort of what will come out of Russia in terms of any announcements or any change of tactics or whether they sort of ramp things up or, you know, who knows what, but it's, it's worth keeping an eye on uh, just because of the traditional significance of that day for them um, politically. Okay, um, as, you'll, as you'll have heard, there's plenty happening, so uh, let's, um, let's wrap it up there. I hope you enjoy your week across financial markets. Thank you. For more insights, visit craigsip.com.